Ezekiel chapter 32, verse 1. And it cometh to pass in the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, in the first of the month, hath the word of Jehovah been unto me, saying, This is the twelfth month in the Jewish calendar. Today it said that the twelfth month is the month of Adar. And when this prophecy came to Ezekiel, it was at the end of the twelfth year that he had been in captivity in the land of the Chaldeans. 2. Son of man, lift up a lamentation for Pharaoh king of Egypt, and thou hast said unto him, A young lion of nations thou hast been like, and thou art as a dragon in the seas, and thou comest forth with thy flowings, and dost trouble the waters with thy feet, and thou dost foul their flowings. The Lord is going to make a metaphor again against Egypt, and he's now going to compare Egypt to a dragon, and dragons used to exist, we don't have them anymore. But they were capable of flying and swimming under the water, just like the medieval legends tell us. Dragons are described in explicit detail in the book of Job, which we have already read. And the Lord is going to insult the land of Egypt by saying that it's like a dragon. Dragons are known to destroy, and they're known to be antisocial. So that's what he is describing Egypt as. Also, when they're in the water, there is a glistening slime that comes out of their body. And this probably has something to do with sulfur or electricity. Whatever causes them to breathe fire also causes them to leave a slimy trail whenever they're in water. And we can see trails like this around snakes and amphibians as well when they come in contact with water. But for a dragon, it's a little more slimy. And he says that Egypt is like a dragon creating slime in the water. 3. Thus said the Lord Jehovah, And I have spread out for thee my net with an assembly of many peoples, and they have brought thee up in my net. The Lord has created a net to catch this dragon in the book of Job. You can't stab a dragon because their scales are so tight together that even air cannot pass in between their scales. But the Lord says he's going to catch Egypt in a net, and he's going to use all the other nations to do this. Babylon destroyed Egypt, and that's what this prophecy is about. And because Babylon was an empire, it represents many nations. 4. And I have left thee in the land. On the face of the field I do cast thee out, and have caused to dwell upon thee every fowl of the heavens, and have satisfied out of thee the beasts of the whole earth. The Lord is going to lay Egypt the dragon out in a field and allow other animals to eat it. The animals can eat through the netting, so the dragon will be in a position where it can't get away while other animals are pecking at it. They could probably start with the eyes or through any other part of the body where they could find an opening. 5. And I have put thy flesh on the mountains and filled the valleys with thy hugeness. The Lord is going to make merchandise of Egypt 
for the other nations. They're going to be able to feed off of the defeat of Egypt under the Babylonians. Putting flesh on the mountains might mean that birds will be able to carry some of the flesh away of this dragon, but that also metaphorically represents other nations profiting from the defeat of Egypt. 6. And watered the land with thy flowing from thy blood unto the mountains, and streams are filled from thee. The blood that flows from Egypt, from the people who die, would be like blood that could fill a stream. This is metaphor, and it could be hyperbole. Hyperbole is not when you're lying. It's when you exaggerate to make a point. It's a literary device, and it's a legitimate way of making a rhetorical point. From Egypt's perspective, it would feel as if their blood was creating a river. 7. And in quenching thee I have covered the heavens, and made black their stars. The sun with a cloud I do cover, and the moon causeth not its light to shine. The Lord says that the sky will be black over Egypt, and they won't be able to see the sun or the moon very well. This could represent dust and smoke going up from battle, and it could also represent spiritual doom for Egypt. Just because something is made into a metaphor doesn't mean that it's not true. A metaphor is when a picture is created in your mind. We're seeing a picture of a dragon that's held in a net and being eaten by wild beasts, and we're seeing a picture of a land that is full of darkness where you can't see the sun or the moon. The meaning behind it is what the Lord is really saying. He's saying that Egypt will be destroyed for 40 years. That was the time period that he gave us in the last chapter. 8. All luminaries of light in the heavens I make black over thee, and I have given darkness over thy land, an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. 9. And I have vexed the heart of many peoples in my bringing in thy destruction among nations unto lands that thou hast not known. To be vexed is to be put out or upset by something, and the Lord says that other nations are going to be put out when you are destroyed because they won't be able to make money off of you anymore, and perhaps because when the Egyptians are taken into other nations as slaves, maybe the people who enslave them won't get along well with them. Their defeat under the Babylonians will cause other nations stress. It could also be because when they see what Babylon does to Egypt, they'll be afraid that perhaps Babylon could do the same to them. 10. And I have made many peoples astonished at thee, and their kings are afraid at thee with trembling, in my brandishing my sword before their faces, and they have trembled every moment, each for his life, in the day of thy fall. When the other nations see Egypt fall, they will be terrified, wondering if they are next. And the brandishing sword that the Lord is displaying is the Babylonian army. Other nations are going to wonder, is Babylon going to destroy us as well? 11. For thus said the Lord Jehovah, A sword of the king of Babylon entereth thee. 12. By swords of the mighty I caused thy multitude to fall.
the terrible of nations, all of them, and they have spoiled the excellency of Egypt, and destroyed hath been all her multitude. At the beginning of the chapter, he illustrated Egypt metaphorically as a dragon, but now the metaphor is over, and he's talking about Egypt in a more literal way, saying that the Babylonians are going to overtake them, and that the other nations will be afraid when this happens. 13. And I have destroyed all her beasts from beside many waters, and trouble them not doth the foot of man any more, yea, the hoofs of beasts trouble them not. The Babylonians are also going to kill the animals in Egypt. They might be doing it to feed their army, or they could also be doing it for spite, just to destroy the Egyptian people so that they don't have food to eat. The people that herded the animals won't be able to herd them anymore. They won't have animals and herds. 14. Then do I cause their waters to sink, and their rivers as oil I cause to go, an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. He says he's even going to cause a drought in the land, which means the Nile will recede. 15. In my making the land of Egypt a desolation, and desolated hath been the land of its fullness, in my smiting all the inhabitants in it, and they have known that I am Jehovah. He's going to prove his existence by destroying the people who refused to worship him, and instead they chose to worship false idols. 16. A lamentation it is, and they have lamented her. Daughters of the nations do lament her, for Egypt and for all her multitude. They lament her, an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. Lamentation is when you mourn for the dead. So other nations are going to mourn for Egypt during this 40-year period of time. They're going to lament because they won't be able to make money off of Egypt, and they won't be able to trade with her. 17. And it cometh to pass, in the twelfth year, in the twelfth of the month, hath the word of Jehovah been unto me, saying, It must be later in the same month when he got this other prophecy that we're now going to read about. 18. Son of man, well for the multitude of Egypt, and cause it to go down, it and the daughters of honorable nations, unto the earth, the lower parts, with those going down to the pit. The Lord is telling Ezekiel to mourn for all the people in Egypt who are going to die. Whenever there is a mass genocide or a war or a mass tragedy where a lot of people die at once, hell enlarges herself. Jesus spoke of this in the New Testament. Hell has to get bigger to make room for more people. And the Lord himself cries over the dead, who will go to hell and not be able to live with him in heaven. It's his will that every single person be saved. But unfortunately, most people love their sin more than they love the Lord and they're not willing to repent. But real prophets always lament for those who are leaving this life and going into the pit. It mentions daughters because female means many. So a nation is metaphorically female because many people are in a nation. 19. Then whom hast thou been more pleasant? Go down and be laid with the uncircumcised. The uncircumcised means sinners. 
physical circumcision is a reference to repentance from sin. The Lord says that Egypt was so beautiful, but it was full of sin. And now it's going to be destroyed for the sins of its people. 20. In the midst of the pierced of the sword they fall, to the sword she hath been given, they drew her out and all her multitude. The Babylonians are going to draw out the Egyptians in battle, but they're going to kill the Egyptians. The reason Egypt is personified as female again is because it represents many people. 21. Speak to him, do the gods of the mighty, out of the midst of Sheol. With his helpers they have gone down, they have lain with the uncircumcised, the pierced of the sword. 22. There is a sure, and all her assembly, round about him, are his graves, all of them are wounded, who are falling by sword. Him refers to the king of Egypt. All of his people are going into hell with him. 22. There is a sure, and all her assembly, round about him are his graves, all of them are wounded, who are falling by sword. The Assyrians also went to hell with their king, the king of Assyria. A couple of chapters ago, Egypt was compared to Assyria as being a lesser nation, because the Assyrians actually had a small empire going, and Egypt was just one nation. But the Lord told Egypt, I conquered the Assyrians, so I'm going to conquer you even easier since you're smaller than they were. In these two verses, it says that both the Assyrian king and the Egyptian king are in the pit of hell, surrounded by their people. 23. Whose graves are appointed in the sides of the pit, and her assembly is round about her grave, all of them wounded, falling by sword, because they gave terror in the land of the living. In the walls of hell, there are prison cells. It says that people have graves in the sides of the pit, meaning in the walls of the pit of hell. These people that are in those walls in their own private cells, they once killed people when they were on earth. 24. There is Elam and all her multitude. Round about is her grave, all of them wounded who are falling by sword, who have gone down uncircumcised unto the earth, the lower parts, because they gave their terror in the land of the living, and they bear their shame with those going down to the pit. It says that the Elamites, who are another set of pagans who had killed other people, are now in hell. It says that they have gone down with their bodies slashed by the sword. This shows us that when you go to hell, you go to hell in the same state that you died in. If you were cut up, and that's how you died, then your body in hell will be cut up, as it was in death. 25. In the midst of the wounded they have appointed a bed for her, with all her multitude. Round about him are her graves, all of them uncircumcised, pierced of the sword. For their terror was given in the land of the living, and they bear their shame with those going down to the pit. In the midst of the pierced he hath been put. The king of Elam is also in the center of all of his people. This is part of the punishment of hell. Those who you 
take to hell with you because of your evil influence, you will be surrounded by them in hell. So to be surrounded by those who you dragged into hell is part of the terror of hell. Because those people are going to be so hateful and for all of eternity they'll be blaming you that they are there. So that's why each of these three kings is surrounded by their soldiers who killed other people. And then they themselves went wounded into the pit of hell. Their bodies can never be restored, nor can their lives. These are all slashed up people in the pit of hell. They each have their own cell in the walls of the lining of hell, with their kings in the center of whatever area they're in. And their kings are shamed and hated down there. It also says with all three of these kings that they and their people are uncircumcised. This is a metaphor that means that all of them died in sin. 26. There is Meshech, Tubal, and all her multitude. Round about him are her graves. When it says her, it's referring to the multitude of people, and when it says him, it's referring to the king of those nations. All of them uncircumcised pierced of the sword, for they gave their terror in the land of the living. They terrorized and killed people when they were alive, so when they died they went to hell. This verse mentions the king of Meshech and the king of Tubal, who were also pagan kings in the area close to what we today call Russia. 27. And they lie not with the mighty who are falling of the uncircumcised, who have gone down to Sheol with their weapons of war, and they put their swords under their heads, and their iniquities are on their bones, for the terror of the mighty is in the land of the living. The king of Meshech and the king of Tubal were not nearly as powerful as the king of Egypt and the king of the Assyrians. Because the king of Meshech and the king of Tubal were not as mighty as the other kings, they weren't buried in as great of honor. The other kings were buried with their swords under their heads for pillows, as a sign of great honor. These two kings were not buried that way, but they still went to hell too, because of their sin. Iniquity means sin, and it says their sin is on their own bones, which means they're responsible for their own deaths. When we die in sin, we're responsible for our own death. It isn't God's fault, it's our fault. And all of these kings are being judged because they killed a lot of people. 28. And thou, in the midst of the uncircumcised, art broken, and dost lie with the pierced of the sword. Now it's turning back to talking again to the king of Egypt, saying, You're going to go to hell with these kings and all of these other people who killed people. 29. There is Edom, her kings, and all her princes, who have been given up in their might, with the pierced of the sword, they with the uncircumcised do die, and with those going down to the pit. Now the Lord is describing the kings and princes and the people of the Edomites, who were another set of pagans. They constantly harassed the Israelites, even though they were related to the Israelites and it says that they're all in hell. 30. There are princes of the north, all of them, and every Zidonian, 
who have gone down with the pierced in their terror. Of their might they are ashamed, and they lie uncircumcised with the pierced of the sword, and they bear their shame with those going down to the pit. On earth soldiers are honored and memorialized, but any soldier that ends up in hell is not honored. The time that they spent killing people counts against them, and it makes their shame greater if they go down in sin. 31. Then doth Pharaoh see, and he hath been comforted for all his multitude, the pierced of the sword, Pharaoh and all his force, an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. This verse is a sarcastic statement. The Lord is saying to Pharaoh, You'll get to go down with your people too. You'll be so happy that you're not alone. But that is sarcastic. He's already told Pharaoh that kings who go down with their people have even more torment because their people are surrounding them and probably cussing them out and spitting at them the whole time. The Lord is facetiously saying, You'll get to enjoy going down with your people too. 32. For I have given his terror in the land of the living, and he hath been laid down in the midst of the uncircumcised, with the pierced of the sword, Pharaoh and all his multitude, an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. An affirmation means this is true, and the Lord isn't going to change his mind. Pharaoh Apres did go to hell. That's what this chapter tells us. And he went down with his soldiers. And that concludes Ezekiel chapter 32.